What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 438 coming up on this week's show. We'll recap and analyze the Phil Spencer interview that we had last week. We had an hour with the head of Xbox himself, and he said a lot without explicitly saying anything. So we'll talk about that, plus a, a big rumor about Resident Evil 8 and more coming up on Podcast Unlocked. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you alongside a, a drinking water Daisy the Boxer puppy right over there, if that's picking up on Mike. Destin Legary. Hey, everybody. What? Hey, everybody. What? Damn. I, I got to build up to it, Ryan. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Tyrell filling in the gaps. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Doing what Destin won't. <laughs> and uh, Miranda Sanchez. Hello. Hello. Good, Good to see, see you guys. guys. Uh, I haven't haven't actually seen you in a little while because last week you all got bumped off the show. My apologies for that. Wow, it's just right out, right out of the gate. It was a, a really fantastic episode. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was good to see Mr. Phil Spencer. I couldn't uh, get a word in edgewise, Ryan. <laughs> It's almost Which like I was producing the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was planned that way for people that are that are wondering. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's tough. Phil was supposed to come in to, to IGN. He was going to be coming in first during GDC and then he was still going to come down and obviously things did not go according to plan because nothing in the world, uh, is according to plan anymore, but he was very kind to, to finally, we decided to try and make it happen remotely. And, you know, it's tough, it's tough to do interviews like that over, when there's a little bit of an input delay and a lag, I mean, it's tough enough doing this show when, when we're all trying to, trying to not talk over each other. So, uh, Justin, you were kind to just hang back, produce and, and, uh, <laughs> and not, not end up poor guy. Didn't get to ask anything. Yeah, it, it was awesome. But looking at all the questions that lion had lined up, lined up, I just made the decision. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to focus on production. And I, I think the piece turned out great. And Ryan, you did an excellent interview. I, I really liked being there to to listen to it live. It was very fun. Yeah, I guess we might as well start there because uh, there is a lot to talk about with the Phil interview. So uh, you've all listened to it. Destin, you were, you were uh, in the room, as it were. So <laughs> what sort of jumped out at you guys the most of what Phil talked about? For me, it was the confidence about the delays, the fact that <laughs> he he doesn't have a contingency plan, that he feels very confident that they're at least going to be able to facilitate the the first round of, of releases for the Xbox Series X. Uh, that that really jumped out to me. Maybe that's not as important to, to most people. Like, obviously, he's proud of the product and everything, but that's cool. That says a lot that they're they're coming out strong and they're not too worried considering everything else going on in the world. Miranda? Uh, one moment I really liked was actually New Games Plus, and Damon was asking about what sort of lessons they had learned from Xbox One launch, and Phil's reaction was just kind of priceless. He was just like... Yeah, we learned a lot about that. And it is, it came down to him talking about knowing the consumer, like knowing who they want to do. And I really liked how he was backing his team constantly through both interviews and talking more about like, hey, we know that the Xbox One launch was not really our finest moment. 
Um, and a lot of that came down to certain objectives from leadership. And now that they have a different leadership and now that they still have that same team, though, or a lot of the, the people on that team. And he's like, it's not necessarily that. It's just that we need to have that direction and that focus that really makes us stronger together. And I think it was really great to hear him talk about his confidence in that team. And I, I know he commented on how, Ryan, you had said that they seem confident. And yes. he was commenting mostly on how he is glad to see that that's kind of exuding because that's what the team feels too. And so it's good to hear that they're as confident as we think they are. Yeah, you're referring to, uh, so if you haven't seen it, uh, friends, it's Phil, we, we've, we shot back to back with him. He was also on Next Gen Console Watch, our weekly, uh, as the name implies, Next Gen Console Watch for PS5 and, and Xbox Series X that airs every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. Um, so yeah, we, we did about 25 more minutes with Phil Damon and myself. So do check that out. Yes. Sorry. I think I said news games plus, which is the other show we have. I was like, wait, wrong show. show. We've got a lot of shows. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Brandon, Brandon, how about yourself? What sort of jumped out at you? Um, really just kind of echoing what Destin and Miranda said. I think there is a, there was a confidence from Phil that I think we'd all been alluding to throughout, you know, the last couple months, um, And a lot of what we're seeing right now is sort of could be chalked up to like, oh, it's marketing. They're putting their best foot forward. But when you watch Phil talk about the team and talk about the, you know, the next console and where Xbox is at as a brand, it really did feel kind of like a peek behind the curtain. Like what you see is is sort of what you get. You know, there there isn't there isn't really any grand strategy other than just like we're very confident in what we have. We're really confident in uh, Microsoft supporting the Xbox brand, which I think is really important when it comes to price. Um, and just sort of where they are, you know, developing a console for an intended audience and sort of the philosophy shift, not necessarily like Miranda was saying, not necessarily like, well, we, you know, threw out the old playbook, got a whole new team and we're making a new a new Xbox for a new era. It's sort of just a shift in priorities for them. And it, it was really sort of enlightening to see um, that it all felt very genuine. Yeah, it's uh listening to you reminded me of of specifically of the part where I had asked Phil, I can't, and pardon me if this was on Next Gen Console Watch, I think this was on Unlocked. I can't keep them straight anymore since they were, we did them both back to back. But uh, when Phil talked about, I had asked him, hey, the, the, the console design clearly took a major step forward mm-hmm. from uh, the Xbox One S then to the X and and to now to the Series X versus before that, what, and I asked, is it was it a new team, a new team of industrial designers? And he he's he very politely and respectfully was like, hey, no, this is I don't I, I hate when people bring that up because he he made it clear that to your point, Brandon, that they were given proper direction and ample time to yeah. execute on the the top level vision, and I know Phil didn't mean it this way this is now me just sort of projecting this but there were there was that and there was a couple of other one or two other times where it was very clear that it was hey without naming names that was those were metric decisions and those 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 were clearly uh were not those were not good decisions and it was not managed well and and it is clear now under under phil spencer that things are being managed much better and we're seeing, we're starting to see the the physical results of that in the form of the Series X, the form factor and the specs and everything that this this machine is doing. Um, so the thing that I wanted to bring up to you guys next, I think 
the number one thing that jumped out at me from the interview, and I want to get your guys' take on this, is uh, when we talked about price, and there goes the TVC, it's, you got to, I need like a swear jar. For it's every a drinking time. game. <laughs> every time the TV <laughs> goes off on me, uh, the, the, the OLED screensaver that cannot be disabled. But um, so we got to talk, we, of course, I asked about price. And I knew he wasn't going to reveal the price on Podcast Unlocked, but I thought, well, maybe we can try to learn something if I ask it in a in a clever enough roundabout way. And he, his answer, I thought, was very telling, and I want to see what you guys thought. So he said, I don't have the exact quote written down, but he used the terms, they are staying agile mm-hmm. on their price. I said, are you basically going to, are you locked in or are you going to be, prepared to react to what Sony's price might be. And he said they are staying agile. And he, he specifically said, we, I have the, the support of our CFO and of our CEO, Satya Nadella. And uh, from there, see, it's, it's just a comedy of errors over here today between the TV and the, the pop filter. But uh, he specifically said that he's got the backing of the highest of the high at, <laughs> at, uh, at Microsoft, as well as, they are prepared to stay agile. So I interpreted that as I no longer think I had been convinced. We've talked about it on this podcast. I'd been convinced it was 600 bucks and then the Lockhart would come in lower. I now no longer think that. I don't think it will be a penny more than the PlayStation 5, whether the PS5 is 500 or, or what have you. But it may, I think it's going to be at worst, the same price as PS5, possibly even cheaper. Yeah, I thought there was a really interesting phrase that he used, <clears throat> kind of harkens back to what we've been saying this whole time. And I, I, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the actual quote, but he basically alluded to the fact that like hardware is the loss leader when you're developing, you know, and then you make it back on subscriptions and services and software, the S's, you might say. Um, I thought it was really telling that he used that phrase so, and I, I believe this was next next gen game console. Um, watch, <laughs> whatever that is. Next, we, we got you. We're with you. Some combination of those show, words. Show them your coffee. Show them the coffee that's coming. Hey, it's right here. <laughs> um, I think uh, <laughs> totally derailed me. I think it was really really telling that he used that phrase so closely to when he was speaking about the backing from Microsoft. Um, to me, that says they're comfortable operating in the red with the launch of the Series X to regain right. market share. And you don't pitch that without actual data and analytics to back it up, which makes me think that maybe they looked at the last time they did this, really did this, uh, and the resulting effects from it, which would be the 360 era, right? The 360 mm-hmm. was sold at a loss for years, um, and then they won the market. That was really kind of the golden era of the Xbox. Um, for sure thus far. So uh, that actually was really telling to me because we'd been saying like, I I personally have been believing myself is like, I really think that like, just buy the market share back. Microsoft is in a position to do this and Sony isn't. Spend the money to buy the audience. And, you know, moving forward, you have the market share that you've been losing over the last six, seven years. Right. $1.4 trillion market cap, Microsoft. Yeah. And that was something Phil was saying on Next Gen Console Watch as well, was that when you guys were getting down to all of our poll data and like what people are invested in for Xbox versus PlayStation versus Nintendo stuff and like what they're going to buy or not buy. Um, one thing he pointed out is such a huge factor is price. Like that was Phil's sticky point. He's like, yes. yes, 
we both had games, but at the end of the day, like price is such a big thing for them. And like, I think that's, that was surprising to me of like how I, I guess it, obviously it makes sense. People want to buy something that's a little bit cheaper sometimes. And like that, that makes a lot of sense too. Um, but for him to be so stuck on that and like knowing that it's such an important thing and not just to consumers, but also to them, uh, that did also kind of put me in the same footing with you, Ryan, of like potentially seeing it be less than 600, which I did not think would ever happen. So I thought they're going to be like, well, we're confident in our console. We're confident in our product. We, we know what we can offer here. So we're just going to come out and put it at what we think it needs to be valued at because of what we're offering in the system. Uh, but now some comments could be less. So that's exciting. Destin. Yeah. So pulling back the current a little bit i'm live switching the whole episode well giving my <laughs> opinions on this but we appreciate ryan, it. ryan to, to your point um yeah there's no way the xbox gets beat this generation i think they're going to come out at a on, great, on price you're talking on about. price yeah, yeah. they're going to come out at a great price point they're not going to be undercut by sony exactly like you said and i do think that is what he is alluding to i i think we even hypothesized on unlocked a few times that they're purposefully going to wait as long as they possibly can before they they talk about price and they might even come out with some sort of uh incentivization if Sony comes in lower where they just cut the price to match theirs. I could I could imagine. Well, that's what we were hypothesizing a long time ago. I could still see that happening personally. Uh, they, they know that they need to get the install base quickly. They already have the, the services lined up really, really well. The games are going to be coming further down the line. So they're not going to get off on the wrong foot with a, a odd price point. Yeah, to your exact point, I thought that that was touched on uh, when I, I asked about pre-orders, and he said later this summer was what he said about pre-orders. Uh, so again, this is now I'm I admit I'm really really reaching on this. I I'm, I don't feel like I have much of a leg to stand on, but I wonder if that means they want Sony to blink first on the price before before they reveal their price. Uh, now, that said, they probably know what Sony's price is going to be as far as they, they're the components are largely similar. They're both AMD based Zen 2 cores with, uh, you know, similar GPU architectures uh, is sort of at least from the general component sense, Microsoft having the more powerful versions. But my point is Microsoft probably has at least a pretty good idea of what of, of what the PS5 costs to build, just like they know exactly how much their machine costs to build. So they're, they probably have a good idea of what Sony's going to set the, the retail price for PS5 at. And they, they are, I would imagine that they are, it's not that they necessarily have an envelope A and an envelope B, but they, I still think they, they probably want Sony to blink first so that then they can come in and say, all right, well, we're, the same price or a little less and we're decidedly more powerful than you. Yeah. And it's that point is coming quickly. I mean, yes. Uh, you have to open up pre-orders before you can open up pre-orders. Well, you don't have to, but you should have a price in mind. So Phil seemed like he was pretty adamant making sure that they had a price before they opened yeah. pre-orders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you had said, I, I like the, uh, the analogy you use one of them seeing who is, going to blink first but it really is kind of a game of chicken at this point like the sort of late summer i i imagine july is probably the latest you can go 
Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. Maybe there. I don't know if there's. I guess that's probably we we don't have enough retail knowledge and expertise to answer that very well. Sure. Of of how that needs to sync up with your retail partners. I do. I do think that barring something in lieu of an E3 this year, I do think barring some sort of big event in June, um, you know. I imagine a price is probably coming in July, so you can get pre-orders for November, right? And, and again, all yeah. that is is in flux, but um, it'll be interesting to see who pulls the trigger first, knowing that not only are you competing with you know what the other guy is doing, you're also competing with putting enough runway in front of a consumer to start saving. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And it's the the, the interesting thing is if whatever events they do, they they had already committed to a digital event during. E3, which now IGN is going to put on the equivalent of, we'll talk, we're going to talk about that uh, in a little while. But the, the one, I guess, thing is, on the one hand, as I've said, I, now I think Phil and, and the Xbox team have been have been setting us up this whole time of convincing us, by, <laughs> they've shown everything, the ray tracing, the quick resume, all these incredible specs, 12 teraflops, that that it's... That we're, they've got us convinced it's going to be 600 until now, uh, and that they're and so they're going to basically uh, underpromise and overdeliver on mm-hmm. the on the price side. On the other hand, though, if there is uh, an an E3 press conference, using air quotes, uh, where they're showing a bunch of games, the longer they go without announcing the price, the more of a of an of a sort of issue hanging in the air that that's going to be so they there's a weird i feel like there's probably a weird balancing act there between getting people excited trying to maybe make sony blink first but also you got to give the price at some point so yeah i'm going to be curious to see what order these things occur in i i think there's one more question that needs to be answered before they drop the price and that is the answer to the question of why should i buy an xbox when the xbox doesn't have games you know um, Great point. Yeah, I would, with- yeah, I would imagine it would behoove Microsoft to set up the price announcement either in tandem or slightly after we get a big info dump on Halo Infinite. Yeah, um, and Forza, is- and probably Forza, a lot yeah. of future titles. You know, maybe they announce Fable in some light capacity, but et cetera, just, et cetera. Just imagine a Halo Infinite CGI trailer backed up with actual gameplay this time. Right. Um, you know, build that hype, make that the conversation that's happening, what that everyone is talking about. And on the back of that, only on Xbox Series X, November, whatever, $499, you know? Right. That, that feels like the sort of uh, strategy that you need in order to get people excited to buy a console rather than just, hey, here's our price. Uh, it's also $500. So pick which one you like more. You got to give them a reason and then give them the, the means to acquire that reason, you know? Excellent point. So for um, me, for me, really quick, the the longer that I think Sony continues to not say anything, the weaker they look position wise. I think they've done themselves a, a really bad. They put themselves in a detrimental position because they did this odd conference and then they've just been absolutely silent. They're not talking about price. And I don't know if that's like an overconfidence issue or what's going on, but I really do think Sony needs to come to a consensus internally and start talking about what they do have to offer their, their community besides uh, audio things that is very hard to convey. Yeah. I mean, it was Somewhat a PC the- presentation. 
Yeah, I, so I'm, I'm aware of that. Thing. But they, yeah, they've continued to not say anything about the PS5 even after that. That was two, right. three weeks ago now. And mm -hmm. uh, at most, they clarified how many backwards compatible titles that they're going to have. That so, and they've only yeah. delayed games, so... Yeah, I mean, to, in their in their defense, they have a much much larger margin of error than yeah. Microsoft does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They can screw up a lot before at this point before people really start to bail on them. Um, but yeah, you, you do you make nevertheless make a good point uh, about mm -hmm. it. And yeah, it's I mean, there are some people wanted us to talk on Unlocked about there was. This one, what appeared to be a, a long-form YouTube comment making the rounds from someone purporting to know people that the PlayStation 5 is in big trouble and it's overheating and it's this and it's that. And it's like, I, I mean, I don't believe that for a second, but... Well, uh, we, but well Ryan, real quick to, to address that. We yeah. don't comment on that stuff. There's no way for us to verify that as a right. source. That could literally be anybody. That could be my uncle works at Nintendo. Exactly. And yeah. while it's a fun conversation starter, it's really important that we're responsible with how we cover news. So like th that's usually how I uh, address commenters because we get sent that stuff a lot. They pop up on the unlocked uh, uh, Facebook group a lot. And yeah, they're, they're really fun conversation starters. Uh, but we have a little bit more of a responsibility when discussing those finer points. And, and I have to address this a lot on the NG plus, which has come up a few times on this episode. And that, that's why I just wanted to bring it up on unlock. Cause yeah. cause, cause you uh, mentioned it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And yeah. the, the point I was driving at to kind of back you up there, what mm -hmm. you're saying is, is that uh, Sony by, by virtue of stone of Sony staying quiet, like you're talking about Destin, they are opening themselves up to those sorts of, rumors whether they're founded or not yeah. kind of picking up steam and running wild at what you know so that's that's a consequence uh, of their choosing to stay quiet for a while so sony has said they're not attending e3 but now there is no e3 and the world is very different all bets are off so i i am really curious to see how they uh, respond because at least we talked about this all last year that we wanted to see Microsoft go on offense rather than be back on their heels like they spent the entirety of 2013 doing. And they have done exactly that. They are they have put the ball in Sony's court. They in the game of horse, Microsoft Phil just step up, stepped up from the top of the key and just just <laughs> drained a three and said, Okay, here you go, uh, Jim Ryan. You're up, or else you're gonna get a letter. And like <laughs> so I, I would argue a lot of sports metaphors being they're all coming together <laughs> i would argue that that sony's got uh maybe an h maybe an o on the on the board so far and phil just keeps just keeps swishing buckets out there for me sony took the ball and just chucked it at the backboard <laughs> and it went flying off that's that's for me personally that's where i'm at can we start uh, calling buckets can, i would love that tell, can you tell that i i miss sports i, I miss <laughs> yeah. sports uh, all right. Um, other stuff. We've got a lot to talk about this week, so I want to keep going through this Phil interview. But I thought he in his I mean, Phil is, a, I will say unequivocally uh, off camera, off mic. He the Phil you see on camera is the same guy off. He is a very genuine, very humble, very kind human being. And you heard him say, I think the closest I was trying to get him to kind of thump his chest a little bit on the specs now that the PS5 specs are out and 
I think we got the closest he would get to it, which is where he said, uh, I, I wrote down the exact quote. He said, when we finally saw it, meaning the PS5 tech reveal, I felt even better about the choices we made on our <laughs> yeah. platform. And I kind of expected we would. So yeah. that was him again, reading. This is me reading between the lines. I think that was him saying they felt pretty good that they were going to come in more powerful than Sony. And after they saw it, he's very, very, very confident that they have done exactly that. I read that line and I was like, oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. You can do it. Uh, yeah. next. He's he's very confident. Yes. Uh, and so far with good reason to be. Yeah. Uh, he, I thought it was interesting because we, we've spent time on Unlock talking about, well, it, are we going to see limited territory launches for Series X if if uh, COVID-19 affects the supply chain to a certain enough degree? And Phil was very clear saying really regardless of what hurdles the virus uh, fallout has on the supply chain side, they are not going to be doing a staggered territory by territory launch. It is it is global or bust. I, I think I don't think I'm really reading between the lines on that. I thought he was pretty clear oh, about it. Yeah, I mean, he specifically mentioned in how the Xbox One launched so late in certain territories, like with Japan, it was like, what, nine yeah. to 12 months? Like, nine exactly. months, yeah. Um, it was so much later. And you can see how just launching late kind of deals like a big blow on fans in like certain areas. And then also you don't have any chance to grab any sort of market share in those territories. If you have a competition launching there and they can get the latest games on that other system that's already out, like you just lose so much by doing that. So I think he is, he is pretty clear about that and the priorities in making sure that it is a global launch. Yeah. And I think that's important too, because, yeah. you know, uh, North America is the home of Xbox, really. Like, it's got the strongest market share here in the US and Canada. Yep. Um, having said that, Europe and Japan are totally Sony's. I mean, Xbox has a better presence in Europe than sure. um, than in Japan. But really, the PS5 is uh, what i'll tell you those uh xbox displays in japan are real sad yeah <laughs> i mean I, yeah. I go to japan for tgs and stuff so i'll always be like oh, i want to go to the game store and see what's up and then i go over to the xbox and i'm like hang in there guys <laughs> <laughs> one day someday you'll get there it's better <laughs> i i i would love to see them make a like super big push again like they did in the 360 era with eternal sonata and odyssey but it's the market has largely spoken in Japan, but anyway, yeah. um, speaking of games, I thought uh, it was interesting that Phil said that no, no single game, not even Halo would delay the launch of the console itself. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. with this, it, this was on the back of the conversation about the, the work from home challenges that everyone uh, in every facet of life is now facing uh, for the, for the foreseeable future. But not even even if Halo gets delayed, it's so it, it is possible that Halo will not be a day one launch title. Not saying like it's going to happen, but he's, yeah. he was pretty clear that the the consoles coming, whether Halo and Forza etc. are ready or not. I think that's really cool. What that says to me is that they are not coupling the value of the console with any piece of software. You know, so often yeah. in the past you you see consoles launching with amazing quadruple quint tuple a game and those two are what is going to be partnered and sell as a package um 
with the Series X, it really does feel like they're very confident about this piece of hardware because it is such a great value, even without the software that you're hoping comes to it day and date, right? You've got all the infrastructure and ecosystems, and a lot of this is to the good work that Microsoft has done building building that um, you know walled garden of of an ecosystem uh, over the last couple of years. But like once Series X hits, you're already going to have what, hundreds of games to play on it. So, you know, I think it speaks to the value of the hardware itself. I would Absolutely. be heartbroken if Halo didn't launch with Series X. Oh yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> me too. Not to miss that point, but uh, yeah, I. It is good to see that confidence. But, but also- I would, I would rather have, I would rather have Halo be three months late and be a ten out of ten rather than them push it for launch and have it just yeah. be buggy and a mess and and have everybody turn on it. And sure. we spoke about this. It's in Halo's best interest to do that too, because this is really kind of, I don't want to say the last chance. They've got to get it right. They have to get is, this right. This is like the teacher is. is now watching you. You know, yeah. you take the test. That's true. No, you're right. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't. Ahead, I, I'm not worried at all about about Halo three four three. That's all they're working on. Well, well, the Xbox is working on the console side of things. You know, three four three is just doubling down on on Halo, and that's all they're focusing on. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's been impacted by anything. So, I don't know. They just seem so confident, and that instills a lot of confidence in me in their product. And uh, like I said about the whole Sony perspective thing, the fact that they're not saying anything. Uh, makes me more worried while 343 is, hey, we're still working on it. They're very open about where they're at in the development process while keeping news to a minimum. Now, speaking of games, Phil, I thought it was very interesting as well that Phil also suggested, again, I I don't think this is much of a stretch, what I'm about to say here. He really seemed to imply that uh, we should probably not expect a, a very large first party day one launch lineup and that it was more important to have a steady diet uh on a on a you know somewhat regular cadence rather than you know he mentioned hey maybe it wasn't a great idea for it's not a great idea to have like eight games at first first party games at launch and rather be better to space them out uh so I, th- I think uh, it's probably just going to be Halo and Forza if if so- yeah. if everything goes on schedule and then and then third parties and then any other first party stuff is going to come in at a you know at a fairly near intervals after that. Yeah, and I'm and th- I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think it's smart. I mean, you use Game Pass as a stopgap until the rest of the stable is ready. It's the, what you don't want to happen is on either end of the extreme, right? You buy a console and you have nothing to play or you buy a console and there are so many choices, you can only pick two and the rest of them suffer. So right. you think, you know, you buy your Forza or your Halo and then you have Game Pass and that keeps you going until Fable Next or whatever comes down the pipe. I mean, you kind of look at how Nintendo did their release plan with the Switch originally. Like they, they very much paced everything out for their big releases so that you had something hitting every few months that was high quality and interesting. And I think that goes a lot further than just putting all of it out at once to your point, Brandon, about just having too much to play. Things don't get in the spotlight because they're all just like pushed to the side because these are the two front runners among all the great games you just put out. So that's good. Yeah, it hurts sales too. God, can you imagine developing a game for five years to debut on the next gen console, and then it's it's the buried by up, Halo. It's the runner up to Halo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. great point. Um, all right, what else was a couple more points on this? Uh, 
he really seemed to think I, I brought up Sunset Overdrive because we love that. And he I thought, again, this is my interpretation. I don't know what you guys think. I thought he seemed to kind of take blame for it because I thought what he was saying was that it effectively got buried by all the B, all the the BS around just the, all the 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 bad karma and <laughs> bad news around the Xbox One itself yeah. at that early in that early part of the generation, and so people weren't giving Sunset Overdrive a chance because nobody was giving the Xbox a chance. Yeah, uh, I I read it a little differently. I think he yeah. I I read his emotional response as more. I wish it would have done better. Here's some things I could have done to make it better, but I don't see it as him taking blame for it, it having done poorly. I think he just loves that game so much the way that the way that we do. And yeah. I think he would have liked to see it, see it do better. So yeah, because you know, and then the company went on and I believe they were purchased by Sony, correct, Ryan? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gotta be a little bit of a sore spot for him to have something like that, have a great game and just have it fall short. Yeah, because remember he was running he was running first party games like that that was totally under his watch. He wasn't the head of Xbox yet, so yeah, that it just he did seem to like he seemed to genuinely feel bad about that game getting uh, not getting its due. So yeah, that was an interesting uh, point of conversation. And then uh, I guess uh, real quick, it sounds like we should not expect many more Switch releases of. Xbox games, you know, we've got Ori and Cuphead, uh, Minecraft, but it sounds like they, again, this is me reading between the lines. He's, I forget his exact phrasing, but he said something about setting clear expectations for people. My interpretation was, it sounds like they don't, they're not really going to do that very often, if at all anymore. Yeah. Or it'll be a one-off and we'll very clearly identify, which I imagine like a fable would be a perfect fit for the switch. If, and when that happens, they'll say, from judging from what he said, they would say, hey, Fable's going to come to Switch rather right. than leaving us here to guess and wonder like, ooh, are we going to be able to play Halo on Switch? There's you know? no way next-gen Fable is going to be running on Switch. It just won't be technically possible. Uh, yeah, There's say, no way. I think it would There's take a major hit. Yeah, but have you played them on Switch? I, I have not. Do you know what they yeah. look like I'm, on Switch? I have them on my One X. So. <laughs> I love my Switch, but I am not going to play those games on my Switch. Yeah. Uh, and then the uh, the last thing here, the optical port. So we brought that up, and he, have, he seemingly just said that they could spend the money, you know, the dollar or two that it costs times 100 million that they want to sell, that they could spend the money elsewhere on that and... Uh, meaning for just to put it back into the raw power of the box and that they they have the data on who's actually using it. You know, when you plug in your console, they can see if you've got optical uh, an optical connection plugged in and they felt that that was not, uh, there, were, there was not a, a large enough subset of Xbox owners to to make that cost worthwhile to carry over. So they they reinvested the money elsewhere in the console. Smart, super clear answer. I loved it. They Boo. also did say that they uh, are working with part- <laughs> that they're working with partners to make sure that older headsets still work and like making Yay. sure that it's all going to work out. Yeah, that that I'm was like really. You. No, so, sorry to interrupt you, Miranda, but that was literally yeah, my fine. reaction. I was like salty about it, and then 
they said exactly what you said, how they are working with partners to make yeah. sure that like this headset that I'm wearing still works. Yeah, it's so not like surprise everyone. A bunch yeah. of your products are just, just not gonna work. Don't, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah I, I love that, that, you know, before they even announced or made the decision to remove the optical port, they were already speaking with Astro about how to adapt and, and firmware code the, you know, compatibility with your Astros. Because I've been using Astro A40s for a long time, maybe a decade, yeah, three days, yeah. four days. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's just being dumb. Just ignore me. Oh. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Can do. Uh <laughs> I've been using Astro A40s for a long time. So it's really cool to hear that like the peripherals we already have and it lines up so much. Uh, it's it so well lines up with Microsoft's messaging that like, hey, your Xbox One peripherals will automatically work with Series X. So now your third party headset will too. How awesome is that? Yeah, I don't know how All they're right. going to do it, but that's really cool. Um, if you remember fight sticks, like for fighting games, you had to buy all new fight sticks for the PS4 and the Xbox One and that sucked because then you would you actually needed one that worked for the the xbox and one that needed for the playstation if you had both uh both consoles and they at first didn't have one that worked for both it was it was a bummer so Mm -hmm. very happy to hear that they're coming up with solutions all right brandon tyrell uh by the time this podcast airs we will have had a new episode of inside xbox what are the highlights this week or this this episode i should say Oh boy, putting me on the spot here, Ryan. It's almost like yep. I haven't prepared for this. <laughs> uh, let me window tab over because all this is happening on a laptop. So inside Xbox uh, is airing today. Uh, by the time you're seeing this episode, it will have already aired. So you might already be privy to a lot of the announcements. But um, some of the bigger news coming out of it that grounded uh, that cool sort of sur- backyard survival, very friendly aesthetic game from Obsidian uh, is going to officially enter early access on the Xbox Game Preview and uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate on uh, July 28th, so next month. And that's cool. Okay, uh, yeah, they, they had originally said spring on that, so yeah. I guess, hey, but everybody understands the the put the delays at this point. Right. We're, all, and, we're all a victim of it. Yeah, and it's a new IP from a studio that's working on no fewer than three things at any given time, so right. I, I get it. Um, Sea of Thieves has a new update out called Ships of Fortune, and it actually does something that I think is really cool. It basically is expanding the the basic um, job, the job sort of feedback loop of the core quest line, which is take a quest, go do the thing, drop it off. Now you can enhance that and become an emissary. Uh, you know, it, it allows you to kind of customize the, the voyages, but we'll have more information on that. Um, and then lastly, some Xbox Game Pass news. Um, reminder, uh, beginning of April, a few new games hit Xbox Game Pass already. Near Automata, Become As Gods Edition, which I believe is the collector's edition. It's pretty much like the, I'm pretty sure like the ultimate edition, just everything all bundled in. Gotcha. I'm okay. pretty sure. I forget exactly what it added. I bought it like a month <laughs> ago. <laughs> I'm just like, dang it. <laughs> I, it. I haven't played it yet. I played it. Have you? Not all of it, though. I'm, I haven't played it. I'm jealous of really you. Uh, it's well regarded. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, it, it, we we have it on many best of lists, and it scored really well as well. So, uh, near, uh, good. The backgrounds are really ugly, and some of the textures are really bad. It does not; it's not a pretty game, but there are very cool things about it. Like the combat design is pretty fun, usually, yeah. except for some of the top-down stuff that is not not a fan of that. Oh, I liked it. I thought the intro was wacky. I hate anyway, the transitions. We could get uh, into this, but yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it after. Uh, near. Yeah. 
Automata um, and totally reliable div- delivery service, which is kind of a, a wacky physics-based game. Um, those are out now on Xbox Game Pass. You can download them already. And then for PC, Overcooked 2 is already out. Having said that, uh, on April 19th, so in about a week and some change, um, there are two more games coming to Xbox Game Pass, Alvastia Chronicles, which is sort of an old school RPG, um, and Journey to the Savage Planet, which is a first person exploration shoot 'em up That's alien. pretty new. That game's pretty yeah. new. Well, we reviewed it. I think we reviewed it fairly decently, too. So. Yeah. Um, and then for Xbox Game Pass for PC, there are several games that are coming soon. Um, I don't know if these are associated with the April 19th date as well, but they are Football Manager 2020, Avastia Chronicles again, Mistover, which I'm not familiar with, uh, and then the that Netflix-sponsored Stranger Things 3, the game that came out a couple oh, months yeah. ago. That's yeah. now coming to PC. It's, uh, that, it's that 8-bit retro-style yeah, graphics yeah. on that, right? It looked pretty cool. I don't know if you haven't. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, obviously, I haven't gotten around to it, but uh, it did look pretty cool, especially if you like Stranger Things. I know they they built, they built developed it in tandem with uh, Season 3, so I think a lot of the storylines cross over. You know, uh, one other thing that comes to mind with, with Grounded, it's, yeah. uh, we, we've complained a lot about never having anything to play in July. So here's probably a good opportunity for Grounded. You're talking about, Brandon, a, a new IP. Uh, it's It's been... Four-player co-op survival. Right. Which is with the kids set in the backyard. So you kind of... Uh, it's Maybe it's a good opportunity for them to get get some eyes on and, and hands on that game that the people that wouldn't ordinarily give it a try because it'll come out at a, at a very quiet time. Yeah. It's almost like Summer of Arcade is back. <laughs> whoa let's let's not get ahead of ourselves here yeah and i i do really i do genuinely love look i um i'm the loudest person in the room when it comes to saying uh i think microsoft really does need to double down and um hit those exclusives for the more mature audience <laughs> more akin to what sony has in their stable having said that i do really love what microsoft is doing with the very low barrier to entry potentially free to play uh, games that are cooperative, um, sort of a social, uh, a, a social sort of play style with a, a really cartoonish aesthetic that families can get into. You can play it with grandma, you know, like I really do love that the doubling down on that and grounded seems like it's going to be another crack at that. Um, we'll see. jumping back to Xbox game pass, sadly, it can't all be good news. The sun must set. Uh, <laughs> and with that on April 15th, uh, about a week from today, there will be a bunch of games leaving Xbox Game Pass on both console and PC. Uh, I'm going to go down the list. There are a few heavy hitters in here, and I'll let you know which uh, platform they're on. Hey, go chew that somewhere else. Um, the Book of Unwritten Tales 2 on console is leaving on 415, as is Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition and MTX ver- versus ATV Reflex. MX versus ATV Reflex. Uh, as well as Samurai, Samurai Showdown 2. On PC, games that are leaving on April 15th are Fez, Into the Ooh. Breach, which is fantastic. If you haven't played it, please check it out. should only take you about six hours to get through the whole thing. Um, and a game that I've always wanted to play but haven't yet, Prey. That oh, yeah. Computer. Um, that is also leaving uh, for both console and PC. So if you're like me and you've wanted to play it and you just haven't gotten around to it, download it now, check it out. Or if And if you like it and you're not going to finish it in time, 
if you have Xbox Game Pass, you get discounts on games, so right. you'll get discount to buy it as well. It's nice. spooky. Yeah. Spooky. yeah. Games come and games go from Game Pass. That is how it works, just like Netflix. So good to have a, a PSA on those those big boys that are that are uh, leaving the service. Yeah. Oh, one more. Sorry, yep. Mercurial Chronicles is leaving PC. Okay. Let's check that really out. Noted. That's a good uh, one. Okay. Uh, April. Hey, Miranda. April Games with Gold. What do we got? April Games with Gold. We've got Project Cars 2 available April 1st to the 30th on Xbox One. We have Knights of Pen and Paper Bundle April 16th. Oh, that's a good game. I played that on my phone. Yes, Sorry. I did too. It's a lot of fun. It's very yeah. charming. Um, D&D, but in like a different kind of setting. It's very cute. Uh, Fable Anniversary will be available now, April 1st oh. to the 15th on Xbox One and Xbox 360. And we also have Toy Box Turbos April 5th. April 16th to the 30th on Xbox One and Xbox 360. I got to get that. I totally forgot. I tweeted about that. And I was like, I have to Boy get Box that. Turbos? <laughs> Fable anniversary. Just to uh, like yes, have yes. it digitally. Right? Fable. I'm going to play the hell out of that game because it's yep. been a decade since I've played Fable. Well, you've got uh, till the 15th. So hop on it. Download it. And uh, remember, you can be as evil as you want to be and you'll grow horns and everything. I was the Halo guy. I was a big big hulking armor with a halo i thought it was very on point i'm always yeah. good i always do the nice things <laughs> uh and then i guess level maybe end on here because we're uh, we've got to move along but resident evil 8 we've got a big rumor which has been corroborated so the, the rumor came from a known resident evil leaker this person is, is uh clearly has good contacts they go by <laughs> dusk golem on twitter and great, VGC, great VGC has corroborated this stuff. So uh, we've got a pretty solid leg to stand on as far as this rumor goes. Uh, known leaker isn't really a flattering, <laughs> <laughs> flattering way to... But Dust Golem is such a great like, handle to go by for leaking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Inf infamous information bandit. Right. <laughs> oh, I like that, Brandon. See a doctor if you're a known leaker. That's, I don't know, <laughs> no. a urologist. God. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's uh, could be a prostate issue. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh. So, oh, anyway, Resident Evil 8 is evidently on the way and seemingly, apparently, was uh, previously in development as a uh, third Resident Evil Revelations game, but it was testing so well internally that they decided to to just turn it into one of the mainline entries and go full RE8 with it. It will feature new mechanics and themes like insanity, hallucinations, occultism, and not being able to trust others. Dust Golem also stating that uh, he, he or she, I actually don't know if he or she, had seen a gameplay sequence featuring a sequence where you're in a village with multiple routes, trying to make your way to a castle, being attacked by beastmen, zombies, uh, zombies in armor with swords, and a witch that laughs a lot. Yes. Uh, like, that, witches yeah. are... Classic witches. witches. Yes. Quite the sense of humor. <laughs> uh, uh, and according to VGC, it will feature RE7's protagonist, Ethan Winters. So my <laughs> quick takeaway from this is... I, as soon as I read that it would feature new themes like insanity, hallucinations, and not being able to trust others, I thought of one of my favorite games of all time, which is Eternal Darkness on the GameCube. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with Eternal Darkness, it had these insanity effects that were actually pretty convincing. It would uh, you'd start to lose your mind as this meter, this sanity meter would drain, and it would it would mute your television. It would lower the volume and mute your television, and it would uh, it would pretend to delete your save file. It wouldn't actually do it, but stuff like that. Eternal Darkness, great game. So the first person Resident Evil Eight with with Eternal Darkness like stuff in it, among other things. Sign me up. This sounds great. It would make your TV go into screensaver mode when you least expected it. Yeah. Crazy <laughs> things. Crazy Ooh. things like that. No, you yeah. know, uh, I, I actually love the effects from Eternal Darkness. I also thought of Amnesia. Amnesia sort of did yes. the same thing where bugs would start crawling on the screen and uh, you would hear auditory things. And yeah, I love that effect in games. I think it's rad. I mean, this is basically love Resident Evil colon Lovecraft, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's it's really, really cool. The insanity stuff. Uh, I love the fact I, what you were saying about a turtle darkness is great. And I was with you up until you were like the the insanity meter on the screen. And I was like, no, you don't need a meter for that. And what I really love is the UI for Resident Evil 7 is so uh, organic that I think showing the insanity, the effects of losing your mind in a way that is such a stripped down HUD is going to be really, really creepy. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is the team that'll think up some really creative ways. I would just put a dead pixel right in the center of your screen <laughs> and have it slowly grow. Oh, now you're that's yeah, that's how you torture players right there. You're it's, a monster. Brand. Off my TV. What's oh, going on? What happened? Ah. Uh, so. 2021 is the alleged time frame for this game. And it would, of course, be for Series X and PS5. And yeah, uh, be very curious to learn more about this one. It wouldn't surprise me at all if this ends up being announced on perhaps Microsoft stage at at the air quotes E3. Let's just call, forget it. We're calling it Summer of Gaming, which is actually yes. the thing that we need to talk about now oh. before we do loot box and... Yeah. Uh, and actually, while we're on the subject, Resident Evil 3, perfect segue, out this week, reviewed well by Lucy O'Brien of IGN.com. So do check that out if you are interested. And then, uh, Brandon, you were talking about some Game Pass stuff. Well, other games that will be coming into Game Pass that got new release dates, Minecraft Dungeons did end up getting pushed a little bit, which is, again, perfectly understandable, uh, the, the transition to work from home, throwing a wrench into production. Minecraft Dungeons, uh, May 26th now. So we've got about a month and a half to go. Won't be much longer there. And then Wasteland 3, a slightly more significant delay. That one was going to be May 19th. That one's been pushed a few months to August 28th. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to wait a little bit longer for In Exile's next release. And yes, the summer of gaming. Destin Legary. Yeah. What are we doing? What have we dis- what have we done? What are we undertaking here? Okay, so I actually have the press release up here. I'm just going to read you the first two paragraphs really quick. Uh, IGN, a world leader in games and entertainment media, has revealed its plan for a new global online summer of gaming event with regularly scheduled programming. With E3 2020 canceled, this new digital event will act as a focal point for potentially millions of viewers looking for all the latest news and impressions around games and the next generation of console hardware. So it, uh, it starts in, in June. And we have some partners signed on, including 2K, Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Amazon, Google, Twitter, Devolver Digital, THQ Nordic, and more. Ryan, maybe yeah, we're you have talking an to everybody. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, but that's that's the long and the short of it. There's some quotes from parents stuff in our in our press release, but this is tremendously exciting. Behind the scenes, like what you're seeing on Unlock today and what you've been seeing with uh news games and more, that's been like the the testing grounds for the tech and we're going really big with this. Uh Dave's developing a whole new system uh sort of inspired by what we've done thus far and man, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Definitely. Yeah, since, since the ESA doesn't want to do it, we'll do it ourselves. That's what the commenters said, right? <laughs> we'll do we'll do it live. Yeah. We'll do it ourselves. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So hope everybody out there joins us. We'll have a lot more details and information to come, including schedules and who's going on when and which which games and which publishers, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's gonna be uh, a lot of work for us. Mr. Brennan Tyrell, right over in my on my screen there. His, uh, his life will soon turn into a nightmare of s spreadsheet scheduling for which we thank him greatly in advance for uh, for trying to put all this help put all this together. I don't know what you mean, Ryan. <laughs> it will be so fun. Uh, yeah, we actually we had our first uh, strike team 9 a.m. meeting this morning and we are well underway talking to some people. Um, there's a lot in that what Destin was reading. There's a lot in that and more column that, uh, I think people are going to be really excited about. So, uh, it's a ways away, but stay tuned. It'll come together and it'll be awesome. Yeah. So yeah, stay tuned. We will have a lot, but our, our goal is to try and for an E3 like experience in, in as, in as good a job as we can in, in digital form that you can enjoy from home. So stay tuned for that. All right. Uh, finally, before we go, let's do our loot box and our trivia. Start with the loot box. Chris, whose gamer tag is Abnormal Pirate, asks, uh, if you could have a game based on a supporting character or set in a world of an already established game to you know reboot or spin off a series, what setting would you choose? So we're kind of more or less talking about a spin-off here, kind of a, you know. Frasier spinning off from Cheers, type of thing. Uh, is there a, is there a character? Is there somewhere else in a universe to play around? Destin, you you look like you're itching to talk. <laughs> Locke from the Halo series definitely needs his <laughs> own series. I think Locke would be an excellent choice for this. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, you got a second. He's got his whole team. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, Buck might, if I'm being serious, Buck might oh, yeah. actually be an interesting choice. If, if, if I'm being honest, billion, any, any chance to do work. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like that. I mean, wasn't ODST kind of that game though. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could probably come up with a more serious answer if you give me some time, but, uh, I mean, yeah. Even if you just go with blue team, having their own game, like just, yeah, blue team their own halo spinoff just really <laughs> dig into like all of their stories because we didn't get to explore the stories in halo 5 which we thought we were gonna do oh uh, that's so good yeah, yeah <laughs> like the a, side like, character like... master chief in halo 5 it'd be great for them to get their own game well no Randy, like, you... obviously excluding master chief uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the adventures of the rest of blue team <laughs> well, well that's like they just like they're so important in the books and like it the is oh, yeah. for John. they're so good that, that's what i'm saying it's like in the books like they have like their own stuff going on and yeah. it's that's i was so excited to see them come in like for halo 5 and then they're just like well i guess they kind of exist here <laughs> it's like all right 
Yeah. All right, guys. God, I hate, that, I hate that campaign. I just can't. Yeah. My hatred for my, again, yeah. video game hatred, not any sort of real life hatred, but my video game hatred for that campaign has not dimmed in the last five years. <laughs> Boy, do I need Halo Infinite to redeem it. Please, Halo Infinite. Please redeem it. Um, yeah. Brandon, give uh, me something. Give me something good. I uh, <laughs> Reboot, spinoff. Give me something. Keep it going. It'll be a spinoff of Halo. Um, but it'll be starring Mendicant Bias, and it'll be like No Man's Sky, and he just flies around the galaxy discovering civilizations and being really shitty to them with his dry side. <laughs> oh, that's such an impressive monument. You know, uh, I think that'd be really fun. Uh, can I tell you my joke, my jokey one? Yes. Okay, so whenever I was at the coalition for, I think it was for the Gears 5 IGN first, uh, I was talking to Rod Ferguson, former studio head of the coalition, about doing a dating sim <laughs> for Gears <laughs> characters because they're all so attractive. And they're also like, they're so personable and they're so fully developed as characters. So I think it'd be really great if we take it back a few steps from this current generation. We give Dom yeah. some more time in the spotlight and let him go find a new love. <laughs> yeah, I just sim. thought of the dirtiest joke that <laughs> I can't, I yeah, A, Dom. can't say on the show because it's the show and because my wife and daughter are like one room over but i'll we'll talk it to you guys it. later i'll save it for the for the after <laughs> show. It re- well it requires a marcus phoenix impression oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay you'll read it in marcus phoenix's voice later okay. but so anyway. i don't i don't know why but when you brought up this question all i kept yeah. thinking of is legacy of kane but both yeah. both uh raziel and the main character in, in that game had their own narratives told sort of intertwined together and by the the way it wrapped up and everything but anything legacy of kane yeah <laughs> like I more about that world dude that, that series coming back would be so incredible on next gen mm-hmm. yeah don't mess well, with it too much there was that leaked prototype that somebody had done like that yeah. that was a pretty big departure just just keep it about those characters and yeah well i'm gonna go with uh exactly what i told phil spencer last week actually let's Bring back uh, a Perfect Dark, but as a recast, not as a first-person shooter, but as a third-person, stealth-driven action-adventure game. Mm, that would be the alien? <laughs> no, still, still Joanna. You're still Joanna Dark, but just let's let's reshape it as uh, away from a shooter and more towards a stealth game. That is what I believe the world needs, particularly the first-party Xbox world, uh, to to fill that. The, the gap and you know phil has talked in the past about about sort of having a lot of representation genre wise in the portfolio and they didn't used to have a role-playing game yeah so what they bought two role-playing game studios <laughs> and now we're getting yeah. wasteland 3 which was of course in development before the microsoft acquisition and then it'll be interesting to see what in exile does next and then to your point earlier, Brandon, about Obsidian, we know that there's a, ti- a relatively tiny team working on Grounded, which is not a role-playing game, but there are two other teams that we know of at that studio. There was the Pillars of Eternity team that's mm-hmm. been working on something that we don't know about yet. And then the Outer Worlds team, who I would imagine are are doing a sequel. That would be the the obvious guess, given how how well that game was received and how well it is done. But 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so RPG now covered, and they've got racing games and first-person shooters and third-person shooters, but how about a stealth game? What else don't they have? Survival Horror. Make it about an ODST who gets separated and lands on a planet and has to survive. Yeah, against a bunch of super nightmarish flood. Flood? Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Like flood are scary. Flood-infected planet. But I'm talking like you have to eat and drink and you have to maintain your body temperature. <laughs> oh, see, that's survival games. You want me to... No. I don't want to... Like, survival. life is a survival game right now. I don't need that in a video game. Oof, too real. What yeah. about what about a game where you're a TV and you try and turn off when the host least expects it? <laughs> and you have to time it perfectly so like he's distracted a little bit and then you turn off. Just wait till he starts talking. <laughs> I'm just happy that I kept it on the whole time during the Phil interview last week. Now I, I it doesn't call even it matter out. now. I shouldn't call it out. True. It's like a it's fun fine. game for me. <laughs> <laughs> Do a shot every time the TV goes off. Um, anyway, sometimes there's that little cursor and it goes kind of crazy, and you're like, "Wow, yeah. what's happening there?" It's, it's got its own little like mouse IR sensor cursor thing. Yeah, uh, kind of neat. <laughs> anyway, um, did we answer the question? I, feel I like think we're good. Yeah. Good job, uh, Chris. Again, if you want to be friends with Chris on Xbox Live, hang out with a cool person. At least I'm. It, I, I think, judging from his question, I think Chris is cool. His gamer tag is Abnormal Pirate. If you have a uh, loot box question, send it in, unlocked at IGN.com. And that's also how you send in unlocked block trivia questions. Trevor, and this is a great gamer tag right here. A little a little, little Halo inspiration, but a, a clever Trevorian twist. Trevor's gamer tag is Pillar of Awesome, which I just nice. think is well done, Trevor. I like that. That's all one word if you want to friend him. So here you go, guys. This one stumped me. Which is not in the top 10? We talked about Xbox in Japan earlier, Miranda. Yes. Which of the following is not in the top 10 selling games, uh, 360 games in Japan? So top selling, and it's, it's obviously it's a whole different market. Xbox hasn't done well there historically, but of the games that have been there, uh, of the games that have sold, one of these three didn't crack the top 10 in Japan, meaning just on Xbox, not relative to anything else other than Xbox games. Is so, the answer E, all of them? Haha, <laughs> ha, probably. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so was it Gears of War, Halo 3, Blue Dragon, or Lost Odyssey? And as you contemplate that, I will remind you that Destin is trailing here it's not late in the year, but we're into April. Destin with just a single point on the board compared to Miranda and Brandon with four each. Oof. So Ooh. Destin, a lot of pressure this week. So, okay, which is not in the top 10 Xbox 360 games sold in Japan? Gears 1, Halo 3, Blue Dragon or Lost Odyssey. I'm going to go I'm going to go to Destin first on this. All right, so I think this one's a trick because Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey, you'd think those two hit the top 10. They were basically designed to entice the, the Japanese market, right? Uh, Blue Dragon being from an acclaimed developer, uh, Lost Odyssey being sort of in that RPG vein. We know Halo and uh, Gears do well over there, but potentially not as well as in the USA where they're, they're huge markets. Uh, we know Gears is a huge lad AM. 
audience. Um, so I'm going to go Gears. Okay. I feel like I'm just winging it, to be honest. But I, I think right. this is a, I think it's a little trick question. I think it's going to be something that you would think would do well in Japan. A is my final answer. <laughs> All right, Brandon, I'm going to go your way next as you pet Penny the dog over there. She's so sleepy. Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I don't think it's a trick question. I think Destin's at 100% right. I think uh, it's Gears of War because Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon were sort of part of those olive branches that were extended to the Japanese market with the Xbox. And Halo is sci-fi robot spaceman, which kind of has overlap with, with Japanese culture as i understand it so i think it's gears of war all right miranda uh i want to break with break with no. the crew here no i'm also going with gears of war cheaters huh. from what i know about japan uh so, I'm gonna so gears of war. now that i tricked them can i change my answer <laughs> <laughs> i mean it could be something else but that's just of the list i think it's a lost odyssey now that i think about it but i'll stick I with my no original idea. answer all right well uh trevor got all y'all it that's was good. Lost Odyssey. Well, wow. Lost Odyssey was number twelve on the oh, on, the, yeah. on the Xbox uh, game sales list in Japan. So Damn. yeah, Gears, yeah, Halo, new IP, and Blue Dragon. New that's IP, good. You know, um, Blue Blue Dragon came from the I think a Final Fantasy creator. So I could imagine. Uh, yes, uh, Mizuguchi. Is that correct? Do that, I have that? Am I remembering that? That sounds correctly? right. I couldn't remember who it was off the top of my head. But I could imagine that one hitting, and I'm like, you know what? Lost Odyssey was a new IP. We never got a sequel. There's a reason we never got a sequel, even though that game is critically acclaimed. Like everybody who played it seemed to like it uh, for its storytelling and combat mechanics. It's I have it on my Xbox. It's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Odyssey opening cinematic is was still one of the most impressive moments in video gaming. It's it looks dated by now, but holy crap, that was amazing. Yeah. And uh, Lost Odyssey, the, the use of, this is just a random aside, but the use of the Unreal Engine, a Western engine, a licensed engine, that's Japanese developers historically used their, would just build and use their own in-house tech. Lost Odyssey used Unreal Engine and was one of the first Japanese developed big games to really, uh, to, to, to go external for their technology like that. Now it's more common, but anyway, uh, Trevor... He of the awesome gamer tag, Pillar of Awesome, stumped everybody. Nice job, nice job on that, Trevor. Well done. No points <laughs> awarded this week. So Destin will have to try and close the gap uh, next week. So please out there, if you want to participate, have your name shouted out on the podcast. Send me an Xbox trivia question that I can try to stump these guys with. Send it to unlocked at IGN.com. I need the question. Four multiple choice answers and note the correct one in your email. That'll wrap it up. We're done. It's another unlocked 438 of these guys in the books. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. If you have not watched both Phil Spencer interviews from last week, uh, I would kindly ask that you do so because it's always good to talk to Phil and it's rare. It had been three years since Phil had been on our shows. So it was great to have him. Uh, stop, stop by for an hour on Unlocked and then another 20-25 minutes on Next Gen Console Watch. So uh, I also I reviewed the currently still PlayStation exclusive uh, re the remaster of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 but that'll be out April 30th on Xbox. There's a weird timed exclusivity window for that so if you want to check out that review that's on IGN as well. Miranda 
Hi, you can follow me at Havoc Rose. That's Havoc with a K on Twitter. Sorry, some news just dropped. I'm like, oh, hello. Uh, <laughs> you get a lot of Slack messages. Anyway. Oh, cool. PS5's yeah. new controller. Look at that. It's whoa. It's, uh, a look. it's a look. It, it looks it looks bigger, longer handles. Let's just talk about this real quick. Uh, thank God they changed the design. I hate the DualShock. I hate it so much. It hurts my hands to hold. I think it's just because of my hand size. I don't know what it is, but yeah. I always just it's just like after too many days of playing it or something. Anyway, it looks like they changed it pretty significantly. So it looks like it has the same convex thumbsticks, which I prefer con. I prefer the Xbox's concave sticks. Uh, they're still uh, in line. I prefer the Xbox's offset. But uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bring this up. Triggers. I'm going to bring this up really quick just to show oh, everybody, nice. Ryan. Yeah. Uh, we can't see the triggers, the L L1 R1 triggers or wait, L2, I don't remember which. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, the triggers. Yeah. And but yeah, thankfully I do like that the handles clearly look longer. So it's a uh, it's it's going to it's it looks a little more Xbox-ish in general shape. Yeah, I I still don't really love the thumbstick placement, but I mean Yeah. Hey, it's different. It's called Did the Dual Sense. Yeah, they rebranded. It's no longer the Dual Shock. It's the Dual Sense, which makes which, me think accelerometer, gyroscope, yep. the whole nine yards. Yeah, here, let's click Probably on this link real quick. Look at this. This is this is uh, unlocked behind the curtain here because nobody. No, usually we don't <laughs> we don't do. We're not talking about things as they as they first hit our eyeballs. Yeah, sorry to derail this. I just saw no, it that was, pop uh, up well and somebody timed. was like, "Oh, hello." <laughs> We just got done talking about how quiet Sony's been. Yeah, and I mean, it, as if to spite us. Here we go. They were like, "Here's uh, a ugly controller." Am I? Am I, I don't be, like it. Hey, am I going to be? Think the colors are, I, I yeah. think that thing looks ugly as hell. I don't so, like how it looks. The colors it's, are so it's white, which almost certainly means the console is white. Well, which means we're uh, there. So we're going to have opposite colors uh, from xbox and and playstation this generation which we did in the 360 generation except yeah. xbox 360 was the white console um i guess yeah they were both they were both uh black had black cases yeah and it's, it's like, if you guys uh, haven't seen this photo at some point somehow um it's white with a. I have to get my door. I'm sorry. I have a package. This is really weird. I'm going to cut out for a second. It's all right, Miranda. No worries. Uh, yeah, I have it up here on the screen. I'm working on I'm working on uh, resetting a bunch of <laughs> things, pulling back the curtain here for a second. Can uh, you just throw it over one of our feeds? Just put it over mine or Miranda's. No, 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 no. no. It's there. There you go. Uh, I already showed it once. I'm just bringing it back up here. So, yeah, uh, that's what the controller looks like. <laughs> I don't know what else Wolf. to say about it, man. Uh, anyway. Remember the boomerang? You remember the boomerang? No, Destin? What, Ryan? You don't like it? You don't no, like dude, it? I don't like it. I think it looks weird. It looks, I don't like... it looks like a Mad Cat's third-party peripheral. Yes. Exactly. I don't like how the colors are laid out on it. Like, the black under it just doesn't look right. Oh, there's... Just, okay. Uh, there's... Weird. If you scroll down the page, I don't know if Destin, you want to bring it up, you can see a shot from the side that does show the triggers. And they, they look pretty similar that you know they're not they're still not proper triggers but they're they're closer to that by the looks of this uh, uh yeah give me here. a second yeah um, what else is this thing doing yeah this is it's like unlocked after hours <laughs> it's, 
Yeah. But it's, it's yeah. again, it's a, it's an interesting, you know, Xbox guys has, they have radically evolved the box, the console itself, both in terms of the, the, the overall horsepower and the, the form factor of the box, but they've very intentionally subtly iterated on the controller because they already had the best controller in the world. And PlayStation is, uh, at least there on the go. controller side, doing the opposite. They are uh, doing a more radical reinvention on the controller side. And it'll be interesting to see if it has a, a very different form factor on the console itself to match. Yeah, I got the side up look there now. Nice. Um, my immediate reaction was, ugh. Like, honestly, like that's, yeah. I just, I don't like how it looks. It, it does look like you guys said, it looks like it was designed by a third party, which, which very much threw me off. I think once we feel it, we might come around a little bit more. I personally don't like the white and uh, black sort of Oreo mix that they, they've done. And that's, yeah, that's what's really, me, the most. me too. Like, I think this could look so much better if it's just one color. Like, yeah. Or so, if it's with the black in a different place. Like, it's, it's just the colors that are really throwing me off. This it's got... Go ahead, Brandon. This is from PlayStation blog. They said, yeah. about the colors. Traditionally, our base controllers have a single color. As you can see, we went a different direction this time around and decided on a two-tone design. All in all, we went through several concepts and hundreds of mock-ups over the last few years before we settled on this final design. DualSense has been tested by a wide range of gamers with a variety of hand sizes in order for us to achieve the comfort level we wanted with great ergonomics. Uh, there are also notes, so it's got haptic feedback as far as the feature of the controller, which it, it more or less sounds like what Nintendo was promising on the Switch with uh, HD rumble, but they kind of bailed on that. And so it'll be interesting to see if Sony really follows through over the course of the generation. Because on paper, haptic feedback's really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> it has a built-in microphone array. So you won't need a headset to chat. That's cool. Wow. I like that. Well, I mean, if people stuck around, stuck around to the end, they got our, our first reactions to the, the controller yeah. as it broke. Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we should, uh, maybe we should <laughs> wrap there, right Ryan. Now, I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like a, a good spot to, to spot to stop. And yeah, let me come back over to discord uh, so let's see i had i had self-promoted oh. miranda was in yeah, the middle sorry. of promoting <laughs> i was like sorry let me derail this whole show again uh yes so next week i have a very 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 exciting piece going up on monday so please stay tuned for that it will be re very relevant to xbox audience so i hope you like it Ooh, teaser. Hard on it yes uh other than that keep it on Ryan, your mic because we're working real hard oh there no <laughs> hey but we got daisy <laughs> Trying to get the uh, dog. That's what happened. Yes. So lots of exciting things happening here at the end of the show. Um, <laughs> that's how it goes. And you can follow me again at Havoc Rose. And that's Havoc with the K on Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else. Brandon. Let's get out of here. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Brandon Tyrell. I want to sign off before there's a wardrobe malfunction. Let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> already had a delivery so you know <laughs> it's all going south at the end of the show uh yeah thanks for tuning in uh i'm super knee deep in summer of gaming so i honestly can't i can't think of anything to promote right now just you can find me on twitter and go to ign because keeps the lights on sounds good destin legary take us out of here follow me on twitter at destin legary be sure to stay tuned to ign.com for more on our summer of gaming event it's going to be a lot of development in that respect. 
Fantastic. For oh, and we've got the we've got the adorable Aww. kitty to take us home. If you're not watching on video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash IGN Unlocked, because now you can see how we all live. You've got pets wandering into the frame, you, which which is good, by the way. We've got all kinds of shenanigans going on. All right, for Destin, Miranda, and Brandon, I'm Ryan. This was Unlocked 438. Hope you enjoyed the uh, <laughs> the extra weird, extra strange place this podcast went towards the end, but. It's all good. That's that's how we. It's a, you just see how things really go around here. That's that's what it is. Uh, all right, we'll see you guys next week.